The text for this morning's worship service is taken from Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 12. Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. After the sermon, we will sing from hymn nine, all five stanzas. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, and that includes you, boys and girls. In an editorial of a newspaper last week, the author writes about the epidemic of loneliness. He reported on a study entitled The Dangers of Loneliness, published in Psychology Today, which, on the basis of a survey, concluded that loneliness was a concern for 62% of respondents. The article stated further that friendship is a lot like food. We need it to survive. It says, evidence has been growing that when our need for social relationships is not met, we fall apart mentally and even physically. It says further that in adults, loneliness is a major cause of depression and alcoholism, which leads to a wide range of health and social problems. The editor writes, I suggest that we should maybe look at loneliness in the same way as we look at heart disease, high blood pressure, or diabetes. The teacher also writes about loneliness and makes some of the same observations. For even though he lived some two and a half thousand years ago, the times that Ecclesiastes, the teacher, describes are not that much different from the times of today. We can very much identify with the lives of the people of that day. There were a lot of lonely people in those days as well. Like us today, the people had to deal with all kinds of stresses. And there was no one, Ecclesiastes says, to comfort them. The oppressor nor the oppressed had no one to comfort them. And so, for many reasons, they dealt with the problems on their own. And that's an age-old problem. Look at the kinds of things that they had to deal with. The teacher speaks about the oppression that he and others had to suffer at the hands of others. He speaks about the competitive world in which he lived a world which was also full of envy and jealousy. In the midst of such a world of people that they labor all the time, they labor all the time, but in the end of their life, they are lonely and depressed. That's the kind of world we live in as well. 
Let me quote from another article that I read. It says, pensioners are increasingly turning to drink to help cope with the loneliness and retirement and loneliness and boredom of retirement. It's a lonely world. The conclusion of the editorial is correct. There is no getting around it. Humans are truly social animals. Indeed, the Lord created us in communion with each other. We need each other. And that's also clear from the text of this morning. And that's also what I will preach to you about. We will see that, as the teacher says, two are better than one. For the Lord created us to depend on each other in the first place for help, in the second place for strength, and in the third place for comfort. I'll say that once again, two are better than one. That's the theme. For the Lord created us to depend on each other in the first place for help, in the second place for strength, and the third place for comfort. There's a familiar proverb that states, a friendless man is like a left hand bereft of the right. Can you imagine losing your right hand and having to do everything with your left hand only all of a sudden? Especially if you do your work with your hands, that would make it very difficult for you, wouldn't it? Well, says the teacher, the same thing is true of a worker without someone to help him. A lot of jobs are hard to do on your own. There are people in this building who labor in the building trade and who know that there are a lot of jobs you can't do on your own. You need another person to help you lift things into place, to fetch things for you while you have your hands full, and to watch out for you. You get a lot more done when you have a good partner than when you are on your own. When the one is getting tired, then the other can pick up the slack and encourage his partner. And when the going gets tough, you don't as easily give in as when you are on your own. You young people also use that concept, don't you? When you have a project to do for school, or when you have some difficult homework to do, then you like to do that with a good friend. If you are serious about getting your work done, then with a good friend you can be more productive. That's especially true within marriage. A good working relationship is essential. There are certain projects you cannot do on your own, wallpapering the kitchen, for example. It's also a lot more fun to do that together. That is, if you can get along. For a project like that, you need to be a good team. You have to learn to get out of each other's way and to cooperate. And so there is no doubt that the teacher's observation that two are better than one because they have a good return for their work is a good one. The teacher also gives another example. He says two are better because if one falls down, then the other can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him. Travel in those days is not like it is today. There are a lot of dangers on, there were a lot of dangers on the road. Often they had to go through mountain passes with cliffs on either side and through rough terrain where you could easily stumble and fall into a deep pit. If you are on your own and your travel is much more precarious, than when you travel with one or more people. You can look out for each other and lift each other up when you fall. 
These examples that the teacher gives are not meant just for the worker or the traveler. That's how it should be in all our activities. God did not create us as separate individuals. He did not make a covenant with this person and then with that person and then with that other person. No, God deals with us as a people, as a people in fellowship with one another. And that's why he did not deem it good either that man would be alone. He gave him a wife. And do you know what he called her? A helper. Adam needed a helper already before the fall into sin. But how much more is that true after the fall into sin? Because now we are prone to stumble and to fall all the time. When you are alone, it is hard to see where you are going. You need someone beside you to help you go in the right way. And it is hard to get up when you fall and stumble. Within, within a good ma marriage, you are a hand and a foot to each other. When the one is down, the other can lift him or her up. The people of the world often kick you when you're down. But at home, with your wife or your husband, you can find relief and understanding. Ecclesiastes is not just speaking here about marriage. It is true that if you have a good marriage, then your wife or your husband is your best friend. But this applies to everybody. We all need a good friend. And this passage applies also to the single people in our midst, and to the widows, and to the widowers. We all need a good friend who will help you when you are down. Look at how David, in the midst of his trouble with Saul, drew great comfort and strength from Saul's son, Jonathan. Jonathan warned David during times of trouble and danger. He encouraged him. He helped him whenever he could. Life would have been so much more difficult for David if it hadn't been for Jonathan. The Bible teaches us that the Lord God is our help. Isn't that what we also confessed this morning together when we started this worship service? If so, that goes without saying as we go through our daily lives. The Lord God is our help in everything. But that does not mean that we do not need other people. Of course we do, for God created us as a community. He created us to be part of our church family and our immediate family as well. He also created us to be in a relationship with close friends. There are some people who have difficulty making friends. Do you know why that is? There are many reasons. The difficulty sometimes lies with prospective friends themselves. Not everybody can be your friend. Some people are just too critical or too irritating to be around, or they don't have the same interests as we do. They do things differently. You just don't click. There are also those who have difficulty keeping things confidential. And so you don't feel safe around such people. It could be that they are also too demanding and that they take advantage of you. Or that they talk too much and don't listen to anything you have to say. Or it could be that they are gossip, gossiping about other people behind their back. And you are afraid that they will do the same to you. Indeed, not everybody can be your friend. 
And everybody doesn't have to be your close friend either. But if you have no friends at all, then you have to look first of all at yourself. Could it be that you are too picky? Are you looking for the wrong things in a friend? Are you yourself too critical or too demanding or too selfish to be a real friend to somebody else? Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, you need others to help you through life. I know that I could not do my ministry without the help of my wife and without the help of a good friend like Reverend Aceman and Reverend Musker and without the help of the members of my council. I need them all desperately. I need their help. And so it is with everyone. You all need your group of support. You need your friends close around you during times of difficulty. There are times when you fall down. And then you need a good friend to lift you up again. For there are a lot of enemies out there. And they are out to make you stumble and fall. The devil sets many traps for you and for me. And we need others to help us avoid those traps. You also find strength in numbers. We come to the second point. The teacher says that though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. Again, we are brought back to the times that the teacher lived. When you traveled, you did not only have to put up with difficult road conditions, you also had to put up with robbers and thieves. And so it would be a lot safer to travel with another person. And that's true today as well. Especially when you're a woman, it is better not to walk alone at night. Especially not in remote or high crime areas. Also, for little children, it is better to travel in pairs. You will not be as easily preyed upon when you are with another person. There is strength in numbers. In order to make his point further, the teacher says that a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. He uses the number three for poetical reasons. And you see that more often in Proverbs. But what he has in mind here is your entire support system. You find strength with two persons, but even greater strength in greater numbers. And that's also true in our lives. There are different areas in our lives that we need help. At work, you need the help of a friend to make it through the day, to help you to be productive and to mentor you and to instruct you and to encourage you. You also need a support group for other things going on in your life. We all have various challenges. And the more people you get to help you, the stronger you will be. There are a lot of loners amongst us. They have no friends to speak of. They don't have a support group. Well, if that's the case with you, then you won't do well in life. Even the Lord Jesus Christ himself needed a support group around him. His disciples. Why, you may wonder. He is almighty God, isn't he? Yes, but he is also a human being. And while he was on earth, he was weak. He took on the weakness of our flesh. Look at how he craved the companionship of his disciples when he was praying in the Mount of Olives. He needed them to stay awake and to be there for him. He needed them for encouragement, for understanding. The greatest punishment that the Lord Jesus Christ received was that he was totally abandoned. First of all, by God, who is supposed to be our greatest help, 
And he was also abandoned by his friends, by all of mankind. And there is no greater punishment than that. The punishment of hell is loneliness. The punishment of hell is that you have no friends. The punishment of hell is that you have no one to help you, no one to sympathize with you, that you have no one to carry you through your difficulties, that nobody cares about you. That congregation is hell. In John 15, verse 14 and following, the Lord Jesus says to his followers, You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. He chose them as his friends. He says they are all his friends if they do what he commands. He knows, however, that they are incapable of doing all that he commands. But what he does want them to do is to try to keep his commandments. He knows that they only have a small beginning of the obedience that he requires. There are so many things wrong with us. As a matter of fact, everything is wrong with us. We are corrupt human beings. And yet the Lord Jesus chose us as his friends. He was now able to overlook all our sins and shortcomings and be kind to us. And now the Lord Jesus is our friend. Do you want to have a friend to help you through your life? A friend at work, at school, and at play? Well, then don't be too picky. There are many reasons that some people have difficulty keeping friends. It can be that they have been hurt in the past because of having been betrayed. It can be because they were abused as children. Those who have been physically or emotionally or sexually abused as children have great difficulties with establishing and maintaining relationships in later life. But they have to learn to trust, and a good friend will teach them to do that. It can also be that you do not have friends because you have too high an opinion of yourself, and you don't think that others are good enough, or you are too demanding. Or once you do strike up a friendship with, with, with someone, then you quickly break it up again. You can't maintain a relationship. Don't think too highly of yourself. Don't think that you are too good for others. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not look to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. The teacher speaks here about a cord of three strands. One strand on its own is easily broken. But if you have two or more strands, then you will get a strong rope. The more strands you have, the stronger the rope will be. And then once the cord is broken, then it becomes hard to put it together again. And the more cords that are broken, the weaker the cord. And it becomes very hard to make it a cord again. Or sure, you can take each strand once the cord is broken and put a knot in it, and therefore making it very strong again. But it will never be as strong as before. Well, the same thing is true of friendship. Once you break up a friendship, it's hard to reestablish it. 
And if you do, there are scars still left. The friendship then is more difficult. And so be careful before you break up a friendship. Be careful how you treat your friends. If you want people to be a friend to you, then you must first of all be a friend yourself. Be a friend to those who are down and out and who are weak. Be a friend to those with whom you come into daily contact. Oh, sure, you need close friends as well. Someone with whom you can share the same interests. Someone with whom you can feel comfortable. But that doesn't mean that you cannot be a friend to others and defend them when they are under attack. The Lord God created us in fellowship with each other. And the most important relationship that we have is with family and within the church and within the whole church community. But that doesn't mean that we can't have friends outside as well, as long as we never compromise our Christian principles. We can be an example of what it means to be a friend to others and to help them when they are under attack, and to be a friend to your neighbor when he needs your help. Don't shun those with whom you come into contact. Show that you're a Christian, because we are all needful and vulnerable human beings. As I said, we are under attack all the time, not just physically, but also spiritually. The devil is always out to make you go on the wrong path. And he uses the evil and wicked people in order to have you go astray. And then you need a righteous and loving friend to have you go on the right path. You need your friends to help you when the devil attacks you when you're going down a lonely road and you're turning to alcohol or to other addictive behaviors, then a good friend will turn you around. He will say to you, brother or sister, you're going in the wrong way. I'm concerned about you and I love you. And if you have no friends to steer you in the right way, then you are much more likely to continue down the wrong path. Paul says in Galatians 6, verse 1 and 2, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. We don't have the kind of traveling conditions today as they did in the biblical days. Except for the odd pothole in the road, we don't have too many hazards to deal with. We have warm cars to travel in, which keep out the cold and the wind and the rain and the snow. And if we have to travel long distances, then a good and warm hotel is easy to find. That was much different during the teacher's day. If you wanted to go any significant distance, then you had to travel overnight. And then you would have to find shelter during the night. It was hard to keep warm under those conditions. And so if you traveled with a good friend, then it would be good to have a warm body around. We're dealing with the third point. Although this text does not first of all refer to married couples, they certainly are included. Your marriage partner ought to be your best friend. And when your partner is your best friend, then it is good to have him or her to warm you up when you are in bed. It's great to be able to snuggle together. But we need each other for warmth as well. We all know what we mean with a warm person. 
We are drawn to such a person. It has nothing to do with looks or shape or size or age. Such a person attracts us because he or she, in one way or the other, radiates the fact that she is or he is sympathetic to you, open, ready to listen and to help you and to pay you compliments. Someone who sincerely compliments you makes you feel warm all over. Sometimes a church is referred to as a cold place. I've heard some people say that about the Emmanuel Church as well, that we are not as inviting as we can be. And then we have to think, how can we change that? And then rather looking at other people, look at yourself. What am I doing to make this place a warmer place? Am I too critical a person? What do I do right after the worship service? Do I go up? to the elder or the minister or to other members and come with a sarcastic or critical remark? How do you receive those who are new to the church? Do you stand around in your own little circle, shutting other peoples out, including strangers and including other brothers and sisters in the Lord? Or do you leave right away after church and as if somebody were chasing you? How do you interact with others during the week? Are you interested in other people's lives? Do you make visits and phone calls to those who are lonely and those who are depressed? Or do you leave that up to the minister and the elders? Do you share other people's sorrows and their joys? Or do you only talk about yourself and your problems? There is a saying that says, shared joy is double joy. Shared sorrow is half the sorrow. By God's grace, by and large, we are a warm church. And I hear a lot of people say that. But that doesn't mean we can't improve. There are lots of people who do not radiate the warmth to the others that they should. They're waiting for others to do it. And then they complain that this church is a cold place. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, we need to keep each other warm. And you can do that yourself by being a warm and attractive person. You begin with yourself. Making and keeping friends is hard work. There is a cost involved. The Lord Jesus Christ made you his friend. He paid the cost. He paid for your friendship with his precious blood. Are you willing to pay the cost of friendship? Are you willing to sacrifice? The Lord Jesus gained everything back that he had with his Father before he emptied himself of the glory and majesty that he had before his incarnation. The world became his footstool. He is now rich beyond measure. And he made you and me very rich as well. Are you willing to share your riches and pay the cost of your friendship? with the Lord your God and with your friends. The fulfillment of the law is to love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep that commandment, you will never be lonely. You will always have friends. And the greatest friend that you will have is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is the most wonderful friend that anybody can have. Amen.